Hello, everyone. This is Food Talk executive producer Rob Perra. Danny will be conducting interviews here every day, talking with experts on food and agriculture and discussing topics like the impact of COVID-19 on the food system, unsung food heroes, how climate change continues to be a threat to agriculture, and other pressing social and environmental challenges that impact farmers, eaters, and the economy. On today's episode, Danny talks with Kimball and Christiana Musk about the importance of feeding children who rely on school lunches for nutrition while schools are closed due to the pandemic. Please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And also share this episode on your social media channels. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Food Talk Live with Danny Nierberg. Today, I get to welcome back Kimball Musk to our show with Christiana Musk. I want to thank them both for being here. And I want to especially thanks, thank Christiana for reminding me with her Instagram post today that it was it is actually the first day of spring, and that's something to celebrate. So happy spring to you both. Um, I know we're going to talk about all of the stuff you've been doing today. But before we dive into discussion, let me just introduce, introduce you both really quickly. Um, Kimball's been on the show before, and, and a lot of folks know him. Uh, he's a chef, entrepreneur, and philanthropist, and the co-founder of the Kitchen Restaurant Group, Big Green, and the urban farming company, Square Roots. And he's been a really, really great friend to Food Tank. Uh, Christiana is the founder of Flourish, Inc., where she catalyzes conversations on the future of food through research, events, and advocacy. And I'm a huge fan of hers, so it's, it's great to finally talk. Thank you both for being here. Um, I, before we, we, we talk about all that you've been doing, I hope you, you both and your families are doing well. I know this is a crazy time for everyone. So I, I hope you're, you're safe and, and healthy. We're all safe and healthy. Thanks for having us on the show. Yeah. yeah we feel very, very fortunate that everyone is in a good place and we just, our hearts go out to all those that are struggling both with um, suffering health from yeah. that are affected by the coronavirus, but also by all those who've lost their jobs right now um, and the economic impacts that are sweeping not only the country, but the world. Absolutely. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But today is not just the first day of spring, but it's also plant a seed day. And I know that's something very close to both of your hearts. So can you talk a little bit? I mean, it, the, the name sort of indicates what, what you hope people will do. But can you talk <laughs> about what you've been doing to encourage people uh, to plant a seed today? You, you bet. It's been... Um a crazy, we, we, we launched Big Green, our nonprofit launched Planetary Day last year, and um, it was a wonderful first year. We got uh, 200,000 people to participate wow. and 1.2 million vegetable seeds planted. Nice. This year, we have, uh, we've exceeded that already, even given the crisis. Um, and we've gotten wonderful folks like Jamie Oliver and, and other players in the, in the, in the industry to really support it online. And getting it out there, uh, we hope to get, uh, well, for sure we'll get every state to participate, but hopefully we'll get as many countries as possible around the world. Um, Planet Feed Day came out of uh, just the success we've had in schools with, at Big Green. Mm-hmm. We build these beautiful outdoor classrooms that teach kids uh, science to the growing of food. And we are at 700 schools, they're uh, outdoor classrooms. We teach 350,000 kids every school day it's amazing. Um, through the learning garden. And it's really an amazing, amazing, um, uh, wonderful, uh, impactful program. But, but the truth is it doesn't reach all the children. It reaches a, 
only the kids that, that get it in their school. And so Planet Seed Day is a way for parents and, and teachers and kids all over the world to plant a seed, get outside, get connected to nature, grow their own food, and, um, and find out how, just how delicious it is. Yeah, there are, you know, 100,000 schools just in America. And beyond that, there's nearly 15 million families that are food insecure right. in America. That's around 40 million people that don't have access to enough to eat. Um, so this Planet Sea Day was a way to start really encouraging a positive movement of communities growing food all over the country and the world. Um, you know, this year, as Kimball mentioned, we had all these celebrities approached us and mm-hmm. we're excited to do a celebrity challenge around it. And it's awesome. a really exciting idea. But when this hit, um, with millions of people suddenly out of work and the schools that we work in, um, everyone's home, right? So those 350,000 children that we that look to us every day for programming are now back at home with their families and many of them are struggling. Um, so Big Green is focused on making sure that the communities that count on us are having their immediate food needs met, um, as well as shifting our curriculum to Google Classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, so what we instead of doing a, a challenge, we focus to giving away free seeds to everyone that sends us their address at planetcday.org. Amazing, that's amazing. I want you to talk a little bit, Christiana, if you can. I think people don't understand that there are so many children at risk right now because they're not in school, because they're not, you know, getting breakfast, lunch, and in some cases, dinner. Can you talk a little bit more about that and why, you know, having um, uh, Big Green and other nonprofits be involved in not just educating kids about food, but, you know, giving that, you know, empowering them to grow their own food, why that's important? Absolutely. So, um, so many children in this country depend on their school breakfast and lunch for basic nutrition. Um, when school's in session, we're approaching spring break anyway for a lot of these schools. Right. So a lot of kids um, do struggle with where to get enough nutrition during school holidays. Um, so um, a lot of schools, um, in, it differs state by state, but a lot of them are putting together bagged lunches and they're looking for volunteers oh, wow. uh, to be able to get bagged lunches out to kids um, in, you know, in the parking lots and in ways. And it's a difficult thing because uh, with the coronavirus, we're trying not to aggregate together, um, but we still need to get food to those in need. Um, and also food banks are working overtime, especially struggling with how to not have too much volunteer engagement, but still get food out to people. Um, but the thing is, like, while we have those immediate food needs, this is happening right at the beginning of spring at the perfect time to start putting food into the ground. And it's right. just, it's, you know, when we give away these seed packets, um, they might have 80 seeds in each packet. And wow. each seed becomes its own plant. Um, so just one packet for one family can produce quite a lot of food. Yeah, it's amazing. What, what's in the packet before you, you go on a little bit? What, what kind of seeds? We're, we're very fortunate. So we're very fortunate to have Seeds of Change um, donating the seed packet for us. Um, And they um, have given us a whole rainbow of diverse um, vegetables. Uh, So it could be kale, it could be carrots, it could be basil, it could be, um, you know. Even on it's a snowy day here in Colorado, you can plant radishes on a snowy day. Nice. Radishes and carrots are, are perfect. And also, we also, you know, give people tools for how right now it's snowing. You can get seed starters going in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. We're going to post some things online, how you can do it with a, you know, just a a cup from Starbucks or empty eggshells to get starters going so that 
people can really start growing in their windowsills and on their front porches until they're able to put things into the backyard. I love it. I love it so much. I also want to give a quick shout out uh, to Seeds of Change because when a long time ago when I was a Peace Corps volunteer in the Dominican Republic, I wrote them asking for seeds to um, plant with the kids I was working with in, in urban gardening, and they immediately sent me seeds, and it, they're just so generous. Yeah, no, they're, they they're such an amazing partner. Wonderful. I'm so glad. Yeah. I, I really love this sense of, of community that you're both creating with Plant a Seed Day and, and not just getting celebrities involved, but real people. And Kimball, I know you were involved very you know deeply after 9-11 um, in, in feeding first responders. And I just want to get your take on how sort of COVID-19, you know, what are the similarities with this crisis versus that one? And why, you know, why it's important to bring people together around food, especially during a time like this? Yeah, I mean, 9-11 was, was a, was a uh, how do I, it's a, truly a traumatic uh, experience, but what was so beautiful about it was chefs from around the world came in, people would fly in just for a day or two to volunteer. Right. Some of the best chefs in the world. And and I and I, I as a recent grad at French Culinary Institute, I was I was peeling potatoes for you know six weeks basically. But occasionally I'd get to cook wonderful food with with the with these chefs. And um, just seeing the, the 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 amazing connection that the firefighters would get they come in from these giant piles of melting metal covered in white dust, wipe themselves off, take their fire, fire, um, fire out to store, and have, have meals that were some of the best meals I'd ever seen prepared. And they've, they've connected with each other and slowly the life would come back into their faces. Wow. And you know, 30 minutes later, they put their, their office back on and they go back into those giant piles of melting metal to save American lives. It was the most beautiful experience to come out of such, such a traumatic event. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that there's, there are similarities in the sense that, that, you know, New York City shut down for, for, for several weeks, for sure, and depending on what part of the city you're in for, for several months. And I think there, there's some, some, some similarities, but this is, this is really a, a worldwide or for sure a nationwide uh, absolute uh, disaster. Um, yeah. For, for us as restaurateurs, you know, restaurateurs are, the, rest, the word restaurateur is, is to restore. Right. And, um, and a restaurant is, is a place where you, where you get restored. To, to, to that, now that's being closed is just, it's, 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 devast, it's devastating to society and it's devastating to the, to the, to the people who work in that industry. Um, it, it absolute, it's like a nuclear weapon just went off in the, in the restaurant world. And um, it, it's so important for us at this time to really look after our hourly workers and come together with a single voice uh, to, to support the, the people that, that have given their lives to work in this industry. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, you know, I also agree that we, we're seeing this fundamental shift that none of us, you know, know how to deal with. So we're all learning. So the idea of, you know, connecting people through food, like you're both doing, I think is, is really important. If we can't connect in person, we can connect over the internet and we can connect through, you know, uh, discussions like this one to get people really engaged. I, you know, I, I think, you know, restaurant workers and farm workers have been so ignored for so long, 
by, you know, all of us as eaters, that this is an opportunity for all of us to really realize how much we depend on them. And, you know, I, I, I'm also wondering, you know, how, how do you think COVID-19 will affect um, the farmers that you're, you're training for at Square Roots, how, you know, these are our urban farming opportunities. There's going to be an effect, but also a, a really awesome opportunity. Well, I think in the case of, of Square Roots farmers, you know, they, they, they have uh, a lot of things on their side here. So, you know, this is food grown in, in, in climate-controlled farms, which are completely safe from the, from the external environment. Right. Uh, the farmers can work their farm without any danger to, to themselves or others. Uh, and, and the food is, is the safest food you can imagine. So for, for them, what we're doing is uh, we, we sell a lot of our, our square roots, basil and mint and chives and so forth to restaurants, and they're closed. Um, and so now we, we, in addition to selling in grocery stores where, where they're, they're absolutely needed, they're giving, it, giving the food away in New York City to Rethink New York, right. um, which is a nonprofit. And, and they're going to, all of the food that is grown at Square Roots will be, will be served to people across the city. Um, and what's wonderful about Square Roots is that none of the food will get wasted because we, we already have these uh, built-in relationships. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that, you know, rural farmers are also going to get hit and, and they can't be ignored. But I think, you know, having um, a lot of these farms really close to center, you know, population centers is, is helpful, especially during during this crisis. And so I hope I, mean, I think it really spoke to the power of the sustainability of, of, of the square roots farmer where we can we can grow food on site. Um, we are literally talking to different players out there and. Um, our partner, Gordon Food Service, to um, uh, Whole Foods, to the to the nonprofits that we're working with, to ask them what what should we grow? What what is right. the, what is the food you need? And to be able to turn on a dime and change the, what we're actually growing is another amazing power of what we do at Square Roots. Absolutely, no that that ability to pivot and and have farmers respond to to a crisis, I think, is really interesting. Christiana, I I want to get back to you for a minute. Sort of sort of like Food Tank, you're really focused on on, you know, discussions and, and convenings and bringing people together. What are some of your strategies for helping all of us get through this kind of difficult time? You know, I, for, you know, speaking personally, I'm used to being like, you know, in one city one day, another city the next speaking and, and you know, going to different conferences and, and you know, my whole sort of work day has changed. How can we, in, you know, as members of, of just, you know, society in general, but also the food movement, keep each other motivated during this time? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you could, you, you're saying it perfectly, like, um, you know, Kimball and I actually, we do so much of traveling and speaking and, um, you know, supporting other events and learning at events and teaching and exchange. Like there's so much that we learned from each other in the food movement. I think when we realized everything was really falling apart, we were on our way to the natural products expo right. where Kimball was going to be keynoting. <laughs> right. We had, we were both part of documentaries that were going on and podcasts and all kinds of interesting things. And it was really amazing to see one by one, every single one of our commitments just disappeared between now and the summertime. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we find ourselves at home. Um, I find right now that all, I realize a lot of what we're doing, we actually could be doing virtually, maybe with, you know, a little bit less of the travel or carbon mm-hmm. footprint that we all have to figure out. But I, I find that, you know, what's happening at least right now um, is that people are feeling so much fear and they're a little bit frozen or in shock and don't know what this 
how long this is going to go on. And so I really have a lot of respect for you trying to continue to create community, um, you know, virtually right now, even though we can't be in the same place. Um, I'd say like, um, you know, something, a really powerful opportunity arises out of this, which is for us to get to connect with our families more and get outside in the garden. Right. So a lot of, a lot of us are finding ourselves at home with our kids and needing to, you know, homeschool our kids. And there's a lot of screen time and we're on our laptops a lot as we're virtual. Um, but actually by going outside and planting a garden, like we're able to actually de-stress and ground. Like you It's know, so therapeutic to get out there, especially with your kids. Yeah. Get out, plant a seed, plant some vegetables. And health-wise, like, you know, getting in the soil, building our microbiome, getting some vitamin D, yeah. you know, like keeping our, our immune system strong and um, and also feeling like when we plant food, we feel a sense of safety and self-sufficiency. Right. Um, and so my hope, like, on the community side of that, like, is that we're able to share with each other, like, what we're growing, what we're cooking, how we're connecting with our families, what kinds of lessons are working, how can we bring, you know, teaching our kids science and math out into the garden, how can we bring these lessons offline and, you know, onto the ground, um, and then really share that with one another and the community so that we can help create like a whole new sense of connectivity, even while we're apart. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think that, you know, what you're describing is, you know, basically empowering people. Growing food makes you feel powerful, you know, doing things outside oh, makes you feel powerful. And, you know, that's what we need right now. We need to feel like we're, we have control over at least a couple of things. And I've, my, my husband was also a Peace Corps volunteer. He volunteered in the Gambia and he's like, you know, he can grow anything. He can basically do anything. He's become even more handy. He like, he's like in his workshop building things for my mom who just moved, just moved to be closer to us and and now is you know sort of isolated but it's just so cool to see how people are like taking skill sets they've you know retired at least for a while to see them come out because they you know these are the things that make you feel a little bit more in control and a little bit happier right yeah and actually i think that just mentioning on the elderly generation that are like more much more vulnerable i think it's really important to support things like meals on wheels right now that are absolutely um, food out to people because the elderly often can be isolated and they're more isolated now than ever. And it's important to make sure that they're getting enough food and that somebody's looking after them. Um, and, and also, you know, those who can empower, um, elderly generations to be growing their own food as right. well, because it's a wonderful thing my, to do. My mom, is in, my mom is in the, uh, my mom may is in the difference uh, in that age group where, where it's, it's dangerous, you know, yeah, my she's, mom she's too. over the age of 70. And she did a uh, wonderful uh, Instagram post today. She dressed up as one of the Victory uh, Victory Garden posters. Nice. And so she's she's going to grow a Victory Garden. Yeah, to, to to make to make sure that she, everyone knows that we're going to get through this. That is such a great idea, and I know the the term "going viral" is not a good one to use right now. But that kind of messaging and coming from someone as beautiful and you know smart and cool as your mom. That's amazing. That makes I missed that today. I, I can't wait to see that post. That's really It would be cool. wonderful if all of the food tank community can start a new victory garden movement. Right. <laughs> I, love it. Because, I love it. We're on you it. You know, during <laughs> during it started in World War One and um, and then was repeated in World War Two and um, across the country, Americans grew over forty percent of the fruits and vegetables um, during that time. Uh, across backyards, front lawns, windowsills. 
you know, community parks. Um, and it really was able to supplement nutrition during times of rationing. And when I started to, to, to remember that was when I started going to the grocery store last week and finding the shelves empty. Right. And it's not it's that we... It's terrifying. It's it if you don't go to the store for 8 a.m., all the fresh produce is gone. Well, and they're actually setting... Certain stores are setting certain times aside only for uh, elderly and those yeah. who need right. to be able to get groceries. And and it's not that we have a supply problem, um, you know, at this point, it's that, um, you know, the panicking causes everyone to go get as much food as they can. And, and, um, and usually it's the fruits and vegetables that people are having right. trouble getting enough of. So if that continues and people have just an abundance of greens growing in their backyard and beans growing in their backyards, like we really can go through this difficult time while feeling a sense of abundance instead of a panic Absolutely. of trying to, you know, hoard everything we can when we go to the grocery store. That is such a great point. I'm glad you brought up the historical context. I mean, you know, Americans and, and people from other countries and in other countries have been through tough times before, but, you know, we've figured out ways to get through them, whether it's, you know, a victory garden, but, you know, th- there, there are solutions and, and we have to think, you know, beyond the, the immediate panic of the situation right now and, and look, I, you know, I, I use this phrase a lot, lot you know, that we, we can go forward by looking back and I think that's more valuable than ever before and, and learning from some of the traditional practices that, you know, farmers in other parts of the world have always used, you know, whether it's rainwater harvesting or, you know, using um, uh, indigenous food sources that are, you know, are already accustomed to your your particular climate. These are all things that we're going to learn, uh, you know, that are really important right now because we'll be growing a lot more of our own food, hopefully. Yes. And it's, and it's you know, it's, it's wonderfully empowering and positive and a great thing to do, as I mentioned, with your kids. And, um, and it's, it's something that brings, it really does bring hope because within just a few weeks, you start to see sprouts. And, like, it's such a symbol of renewal. In a few days, you see sprouts. In right, a few weeks, wonderful. you have food. And it just, it, it, it gives us hope that we're going to get to the other side of this. Right. Um, and Yeah, and not only it gives you hope to get to the other side, but every day it grows a little more. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's what you said earlier, Danny, around just feeling like a sense of control over, over something that's frankly so beyond our ability to control at a personal level. But if you look after your garden, uh, you, it's very therapeutic and it thrives. Um, and if you don't look after it, then, you know, it's not going to work. So it's quite, it's quite a wonderful way to spend the next two months. Um, hopefully we get back, back, get back to work soon, but um, every day for the next two months we'll, we'll all be growing food together. And that's a wonderful metaphor to, you know, if we take care of those in need and take care of our community and those which our economy depends upon, our farm workers, our restaurant workers, um, it's like only by the support of all are we able to be a thriving economy and a thriving society. Um, And right now, if we don't look after um, those communities that are most vulnerable, um, this is going to last, the pain is going to be much greater and much longer. So we have an opportunity now to, to care for all. Yeah. I mean, I've been talking to folks like you. I've been, t- I talked to Michelle Nishan, chef Michelle Nishan this morning, the founder, co-founder of Wholesome Wave. I talked to Raj Patel yesterday. I talked to the folks at the Chef Anne Foundation and everyone is saying the similar thing that we're all, we all have to get behind the people who are most vulnerable. We all have to be working together. What concerns me is that because we don't have sort of political power as a food movement, 
in the United States. I don't know what it means for us all to get together. That's kind of what I'm grappling with. So I, I wonder if, if either of you have any sort of advice or sense of how we, you know, there, I, in some ways I do think there is a food movement in the United States. In other ways I don't. But how do we, how do we all galvanize this, you know, this feeling that we have that we want to help and, and, you know, make different decisions around the food system? You know, I'm really, if you look back again at history, um, the real food movements that have changed policy have come out of times of crisis mm-hmm. and scarcity. So most of the subsidy system that we have today that subsidizes now the, the larger commodity crops, which are, it's a system that's problematic for, for helping evolve the food system. Those came out of um, post dustful policies of a movement of, of farmers and farmers were the majority of the population at the right. time. Um, and so at a moment like this, when everybody is touched by fear in the food system, we almost, you haven't been able to, we haven't been able to engage many people outside of the movement because there's been such a sense of abundance that most people don't feel the pinch. So it's only when you go to grocery stores and see the shelves empty and start to see that the restaurants that you depend upon are going to be closing down, that we we feel the pain enough to realize that the food movement is not like a niche movement, like food touches everyone and it's the foundation the fundamental like basic human need that underlies our entire economy so it's not just a small group of people so hopefully the pain turns into promise for a much larger change oh I love that I love that pain turns into promise you you're such a great historian I'm glad that you're bringing all of this up while I'm sitting here panicking like you're you're putting it all in context and and that makes me I appreciate it we as humans got this, right? Like we've been growing food for 10,000 right. years. We grow, we've domesticated 80,000 species of plants and animals. <laughs> we've done quite a lot of R&D. We've been through droughts. We've been through climate change. Right. We have the <laughs> R&D humans, for right? sure. <laughs> yeah, no, we really do. And so, um, you know, just even in our parents' and grandparents' lifetime, we've gone through crises like this before. Right. So, like, we really can believe in ourselves as a species to, to continue to evolve and to do the right thing. I love it. I love it. Um, you're, I do think that in the ahead. very short term, we really have to, we really have to focus on the hourly worker. Yep. Um, you know, at our, at our restaurants, we have, uh, we have salaried workers and we have hourly workers and the salaried workers are all taking major pay cuts to, to, to survive the next, uh, we're not quite sure how long it is, but sure. at least probably a month. Um, but the hourly workers uh, really need the support from our government. Um, the, uh, if, if that $1,000 doesn't get approved and something else doesn't get approved, I'm going to go march on Capitol Hill, and, and I, I think there'll be a lot of people behind me to, um, to make sure that our politicians understand how, how much our people need us right now. Absolutely. I mean, this is something that came up with Michelle Nushan earlier today and Raj Patel yesterday. Like, you know, where, where does the leadership come from? We obviously need, you know, some, some better leadership from the federal level, no matter what side of the political aisle you're on. We need to help those hour, hourly workers. We need to help people who are in, you know, poverty and, and, and make sure that they can get through this crisis. But we also need to start, you know, uh, looking to ourselves and in, in our in our regional and and 
and, and local governments and our school boards and making sure that we're, you know, starting from the ground up literally and building leadership so that we don't have sort of, you know, politicians who, who buy their way into office anymore. I think that that's another positive thing that could come out of this crisis is real leaders emerging who, you know, have have the strength and the wisdom and, and the ability to, to pivot like, you know, the farmers you work with to uh, during times like these. And, and I, I hope that can be created. But, you know, you're right. The, we, we need better leadership for sure. Yeah. And I think, as you mentioned, at the grassroots and state by state, but on the other hand, there also has to be um, consistent policies from the top when it comes to fair policies for restaurant workers mm -hmm. and farm workers, because, uh, you know, Kimball has 15 restaurants in, I don't know, five different states and the rules are different everywhere. And right. it makes it very difficult um, to have different policy, to have a fair fair team playing when you're playing with different rules in every different state and try to provide for everyone on your team equitably. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's, just, um, it's true Armageddon in the restaurant world. And um, <sighs> I, I really do think it's the, it's the responsibilities of the federal government to, uh, to step up and make a, a nationwide uh, decision around supporting mm -hmm. our, hourly, our hourly workers. They're the ones that are capable of doing it. Frankly, they're, they're the ones that are the most to blame here. The governor of Colorado or the governor of Illinois or the governor of California, these are not, this is just being done to them right now. So the, fe the federal government uh, needs to, and I'm referring to the Congress as well as the, the, president, the presidency, both of both those groups have to move very fast, and they they have to get support to our hourly workers right now. Right now, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I couldn't agree with you both more. Uh, you know, you both are, are philanthropists and, and not not only entrepreneurs, and you've mentioned a couple of different organizations in addition to your own that you're, you know, you're fond of like Meals on Wheels and, and, and others who, if, you know, if people out there are, are looking for something to do, but don't feel like they can volunteer because they're isolating themselves, who would you recommend they give money to right now in, in terms of making the most impact? I, I, oh, yeah, I mean, I think that, well, well, Kimball has the restaurant. Yeah. I mean, so if people can go to change.org, mm -hmm and support the, uh, the restaurant workers' uh, uh, petition for support. And once you've completed that, you'll be, able to, you'll, you'll be asked to make a donation as small as $2. Um, if, if enough of us get in there to help, we'll help move the legislation, we'll help support our workers. Um, a small donation will go a very, very long way. So go to change.org and sign a petition to um, uh, support restaurant workers. That for sure, I think for the for the restaurant workers, um, people in real need right now, like food banks in the communities, play a really important role as uh, emergency family assistance. And those, um, you know, there's a lot of different local ones, so it's important for people to look up, um, you know, who's doing the most work now in their own communities um, rather than a specific brand of food bank. Um, and then Meals on Wheels, um, there's regional chapters. Um, that's really important to get food to elderly. Um, volunteer at your local school system to get these lunches out to um, families, the kids that are home from school right now that need them to help distribute. Um, that, those are you know, something you could do if you don't have money to donate. Um, you can still volunteer your time to Meals on Wheels, the food banks, or to get these lunches out there. Um, and for those, you know, if you'd like to help us give away seeds, at uh, Big Green, we would love 
you know, as much support as possible. Yeah, go to pandasbday.org and uh, sign up for your free feed and share it on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, plant a seed day, hashtag plant a seed day, and tell the world about uh, um, planting vegetables in your own backyard. That's great. Plant yep. a seed day.org. Go ahead. Yep. Plant a seed day.org, and we'll send free seeds to anybody that, that asks, and we love help distributing them to as many people as possible. Amazing. Thank you both for all that you do for farmers, for food workers, um, and, and to educate all of us. It's really been an honor to talk to you and I hope you both stay well. And I hope to see you in person very soon when, when things hopefully get back to a new normal, uh, maybe a normal where we respect farmers and food workers and, and all of the important folks in, in the food system. Thank you so much for creating this space of community and connection and, uh, you know, solution-oriented conversations in the midst of the crisis. It really, you know, just calms my nervous system to know that you're doing this work and we're going to keep moving things forward even in, in the midst of crisis. Thank you, Danny. And, you know, you asked who's, who's a leader, in, uh, who's one of the leading voices in, in, the, in the food movement, and you're, you're one of our leading voices, so please uh, keep pushing and keep leading us, and we're, we're here to help in any way we can. Thanks. Thanks. You're making me cry a little bit. Uh, I really appreciate you both very much. Um, and thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, 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 we'll, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Danny. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Food Talk with Danny Nirenberg. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. Make sure to return to foodtank.com every day for original reporting and analysis on the most pressing issues impacting our food system.